We're keeping you company in episode 26 of Mosin at Large. If you're self-isolating, we wish you all the best. And we've got lots of discussion to keep you company today, including COVID-19. What do you want to see in iOS 14? And there are some rumors there as well. And some technology from CSUN this year. Mosin at Large Podcast. If you want to be in touch with the show, you can drop me an email to jonathan at mushroomfm.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. That email could be written down or you could attach an audio file using your smartphone's voice memos app and then share it to the email or you could record it on your PC. Anyway, you get audio, you can attach that. You can also call the listener line and that number is 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. That's in the United States, so charges may apply depending on where you are. And a reminder that the podcast is segmented. So while this is a long podcast to keep you company when you may be at home and there's no sport to listen to, you can skip ahead and skip back by Chapter Marker, if you have a podcast app that supports that feature. Well, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? I hope that you have got through it okay. Many, many more people are working from home now than were this time last week. And it's something that I've done for a very long time. I stopped doing it last year when I got into my uh, current job. But gosh, I think for about 20 years, I worked from home, sort of on and off, And there is definitely a knack to it if you can. And of course, at short notice, that can be difficult. But if you can, it's good to have a dedicated space. So there's a place that you work at. And then when you leave that place, you have effectively left your work. That's one of the really challenging things about um, mental health safety is that when you work from home, it's easy to be always working from home. So we're quite fortunate that The studio doubles as an office here, and that's always been the place that I work from at Mosin Towers. Still doesn't avoid the fact that you've got your smartphone with you and you get the push notifications, and you have to be a bit disciplined about that. But that is a really important thing, I think, if it's possible. And it isn't always possible, especially if working from home is not your normal way of working. And then what else is there? I think there's also people respecting the fact that you are working And especially if you are self-isolating at the moment, you might be at home. Other people might be at home also working from home and you've you've got to get the work done right. It's a discipline that is difficult for some people. I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed the freedom of working from home in the sense that in general, other than making sure that you're on meetings that are scheduled with other people and that sort of thing. It doesn't matter when you deliver your deliverables as long as your deliverables are delivered on time. You know what I mean? If you, if you do your deliverables at two or three in the morning, which is a real possibility for blind people who have non-24 like me, then that's okay as long as you get them in. Obviously, participating in meetings is a different thing. Um, Speaking of participating in meetings, of course, always good to have a good quality microphone headset, especially for those of us who are not only blind, but also have hearing impairments thrown in and you get the steak knives free as well. That's important. And it's something that you might have to encourage other people who are also working from home to do. Yes, you're self-isolating, but you can still get things delivered including toilet paper, I might add. That is just one of the weirdest things about this crisis is the toilet paper thing. But Bonnie and I will talk about, talk about that a bit later. That is a, that is a gross overreaction. So um, headsets, that's always a good thing to have if you are going to be participating in 
audio and video conferences like Zoom and that sort of thing. Another hint that I found very useful is I've got a camera mounted on my wall here in my office when it's not being a studio, it's an office. And it's got a kind of an autofocus function. It's a Logitech camera. I couldn't tell you the model number because we set this up some time ago. And when I sit in the seat here, I have to swing the microphone boom away. Whee! Like that, you see? Oh, oh my word. Yeah, so I have to swing the microphone boom away or the microphone blocks the view of the camera. Audio conferences are fine with this microphone. And when I do audio only with this microphone, people get very excited and they say, Dude! Yeah, thank you. You sound so good. So I do use the mic when I can, but some people do want to see you. So I find that very helpful to have a camera mounted on the wall and then when I sit down, I know I'm in focus. I know that the camera will focus. And that's really great when everybody's working from home or you've got a lot of people who are and you want to uh, look okay in a uh, video conference call that works well too. But the other thing that I found really useful, I've got the little Apple uh, dock, little charging dock. It's very small. And I normally have it at my office at work. We're not self-isolating, yes, but we may. So I would take it home in that eventuality. But what I found a really cool trick is that you open the camera app in your iPhone and you make sure that the front-facing camera, which typically is the camera by default that these conferencing apps use, and you essentially position yourself until it says one face detected in center of frame or whatever it says. And then you know that when you dial in to a Zoom video or Google Hangouts or whatever your organization's tool of choice is, you're going to look okay. It's a very cool feature of the iPhone to be able to get that confirmation that you are actually visible and you are going to be you know, right in the view, dead center, looking okay. So those are a few tips. And if anyone else has any tips about working from home in terms of technology or just the discipline of working from home, it would be timely. I know that we will have a lot of people around the world who are working from home, maybe for the first time for protracted periods. And then, of course, there's just the sheer logistics of self-isolation. How do you cope with it? And I guess for me, because I did work from home for such a long time, I got used to the fact that I know it's important to reach out to people via various technologies that we have at our disposal and just check in. Not so much checking social media. Gosh, social media can be both a a great resource at the moment and also just such a hive of misinformation on either extreme of this issue. So you got to be selective, but but just keep, you're giving someone a good old fashioned call or texting someone that you care about and just engaging with them. All those sorts of things are important. But I tell you another thing about this self-isolation thing. It really does illustrate why accessibility is so important, because if the home delivery option for groceries or food or any kind of supplies that you might need is inaccessible, that really does place uh, a serious burden on people affected. There is IRA, and remember that IRA does offer a feature where the first five minutes of any call is free, 
And if you install the TeamViewer program on your PC or Mac for that matter, Ira can remote into your system and help you with anything inaccessible. So Ira is a great resource in a situation like this. If you just have to get something, you are required to self-isolate and you can't get out yourself, then that could be an option really worth considering. Just get the Ira app on your phone in case, get it up and running, make sure you have TeamViewer installed. So it would be great to share some practical tips. There is a lot of fear at the moment and a lot of uncertainty. We're going to get through this. And I also hope that, by the way, Mushroom FM can play a part in helping you get through this because we're coming up to our 10th birthday. We've been around a while And many voices on the station are familiar voices. And you know our voices and our quirks and idiosyncrasies and likes and dislikes and things like that. And it's nice to just have a friendly voice at the other end. And so Mushroom FM will continue to be here. And we're glad to be able to provide that service. Of course, the big advice is to follow really good hygiene procedures at the moment. Make sure you understand. And there are a lot of videos out there. So I want to talk you through this uh, regarding the hand-washing protocol that can really assist you. What you do is run your hands just for a little bit under the tap, get them a bit wet, and make sure you go all the way down to the wrists. And then you don't – I mean, if you're on the go and you don't have access to soap and water, of course, if you can access hand sanitizer right now, do that, especially if you're meeting a lot of people. But – If you're at home or if you're at work, if you're at the office, you have access to soap and water. Once you've wet your hands a little, lather it up with good old-fashioned soap. We've got the pump-action soap here at Mosin's house, um, but that's just a personal preference. Lather your hands. Make sure you get in between the crevices of your fingers. Really get that lather everywhere. Make sure your nails are getting, uh, getting a good cleanly treatment too. And rub your hands together, really get a lather going, and then put those hands all the way to the wrists under the tap for a good 20-second period, rinse off the bacteria. And the other thing about hand washing is to make sure you really dry them. Viruses love damp hands. So even if you've cleaned your hands and then you go out in the world, you could be carrying a bit of a virus magnet unless You've dried your hands thoroughly as well. I don't know about you, but I find those warming machines that they have in a lot of workplaces and and things like that just totally useless. Anyone like those warming machines? You know, the things you put your hand under or sometimes you have to put your hand inside them and they blow, you know. A lot of the time I find that the temperature just isn't adequate and you have to really make an effort. Um, So good old paper towels don't go amiss. When you're drying your hands, we have not experienced anything like this since the flu. They they used to call it the Spanish flu, didn't they? Um, Pandemic of 1918. So most of us in our lifetimes have not experienced anything like this before. But it's not the end of society, of civilization as we know it. It is not a situation like The Stand by Stephen King. We're not facing the apocalypse. And if you don't know what I mean about The Stand, for God's sake, don't read it now. Don't read it now. It'll freak you out. Um, But it's a very serious threat um, that we will overcome. So take care and exercise due 
precautions, follow the advice of officials and not the advice of people who don't have a clue on social media, either underplaying or overhyping this situation. There is no magic cure. Garlic's not going to cure it. Um, all those things that you see. We have no vaccine at the moment, and that's what makes us particularly trying, but we're going to get through it. And most important of all, if you have uh, a cough or a cold or a sniffle, you have a moral obligation to stay home. And if you think it's serious enough, then follow your country's um, procedures for getting checked out. And we will go through it. But I tell you what, um, while I certainly agree with those who talk about the fear factor that's going on uh, in some countries, I have to say that um, lack of leadership creates a vacuum. And unfortunately, fear does step into that vacuum. And I just feel so sorry for people in the United States who are being so badly led at the moment. And it just demonstrates that leadership actually really does matter in a crisis like this. Evidence-based action really does matter. Feeling like someone cares about you in a leader in a situation like this, that they are a capable, solid individual really matters, doesn't it? And um, at the moment here in New Zealand, we are very, very fortunate in that regard with our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. And I just really, I mean, I genuinely, I realize this sounds like a political statement, but I genuinely feel for those in the United States who are not getting stable, accurate leadership. Peggy Kern said, it should be interesting at church tonight. The choir has to have our chairs six feet apart. I'm supposed to do the psalm today, but not sure how I'll get to the microphone. Here in New Zealand, our sixth case of COVID-19 came in from the United States. He came from New Jersey and flew home via Houston and then started to feel a bit unwell. He's in his 60s, so he's in the demographic where you've really got to be quite careful. And he tested positive for COVID-19. But before he did all of that, he went to a Catholic mass at a time when he could well have been able to pass it on. And of course, with mass, you get the communion. And so here in New Zealand, there's actually been a health advisory not to do communion. So that might upset some people, but I understand why. And just listening to Trump yesterday, nobody's picked up on this on the network. So I guess I'm on my own with this. But listening to Trump yesterday, I really thought, I genuinely thought, I'm not trying to be snarky at all because, you know, I know that people think whenever you say something negative about Trump or whatever, you're being snarky and f fair cop on my account. I, <laughs> but, but I'm genuinely just from one human being to another saying, I thought that he sounded a bit raspy and nasally yesterday, more so than normal. But I guess I must be wrong about that because other networks and things haven't picked up on it. But he's now taken a coronavirus test himself, but he has been in the presence of those who are COVID-19 positive. And yesterday, of course, Donald Trump, he really eats his microphone. You know what I mean? He, he eats his microphone. He's like swallowing the thing. And then he's getting other people up. I, I wondered at the time, are these people using the same mic? 
because he got some of the CEOs of the United States, some pretty prevalent CEOs, Walmart, Target, CVS, others, all up there. And um, so I had someone check the video, and yeah, they were all using the same mic, the microphone that Trump's practically swallowing. And uh, Trump's shaking their hand, and oh my word. Brian Gaff has been in touch, and um, he has been inspired by the discussion we had two or three weeks ago about ringtones and making your own. And so Brian has made his own ringtone. I'm going to play it to you now, and I'll bet you, I'll bet you, that this will bring back many memories for a lot of people. Here's the ringtone that Brian made. Man, do you remember that? You remember where that comes from? It's from that sharp, did they call it the talking time? I think they were great little devices. With a stopwatch and an alarm. And, you know, tremendous. And you could confuse the soup out of, I'm sorry, you could confuse the soup out of those things by, it had a little volume on the side. You could switch it on and off, kind of like an old transistor radio. And there's probably a lot of people here who don't remember what a transistor radio was. Well, fine. You could turn it off and on quite quickly when it was, I think you had to push the button to make it speak the time. And while it was doing that, you'd turn it off and on really quickly. And you could get it into some really cool states. I got mine going, it's o'clock. And it's minute, minute a.m. And all sorts of really, really crazy things. You could also, I think, make it do quite a high-pitched noise. But that was a great little device. And it's still sought after by some people. I think I saw an ad on RS Games recently that suggested that there's a company that still sells them. I know, how the heck is that possible? I do like those sharp talking time things. Jonathan Mosen. Here is Francisco, who says, this message is to join the conversation around two topics that were discussed in the latest episode. That is, of course, last week's Mosin at Large podcast. First, Ira said that after April the 1st, when Horizon will stop working, users will be able to use the phone as a regular Android device. They explained that they would restart the devices to factory values or reset the devices to factory values. And second, we got the Uber pin pairing feature in Argentina. However, there is a black market of Uber accounts for those who were blocked. Apparently, this fake account doesn't last very long, but if you can take just one trip, a blind person could be requesting it, and the pin would not be enough to ensure that you are in the right car with the right person and the right number plate. Uber accessibility should find a way around this because it is the rider's responsibility to make sure the plate and photo matches with the car and driver picking you up. And I don't know what they would do if something happens to a blind passenger who got the wrong person or car. Gosh, I'm not aware of 
that being a problem here, but that would be a bit of an issue, wouldn't it? And I suppose Uber really has a responsibility to try and make sure that its platform is secure and robust enough, because I think this question goes quite a way beyond blindness. It's the responsibility of Uber to make sure that the drivers they are sending out there have been appropriately vetted and screened because all sorts of terrible things could happen, not just to blind people. So um, thanks very much for that, Francisco. Wanted to talk about a device that may be particularly of interest at the moment in these times when we're thinking very carefully about hygiene. And this is a device that I learned about some time ago. I voraciously read a lot of tech news from my RSS reader. And I read about this thing called phone soap. And when I first read about it, I thought, this sounds a little bit dodgy. You know, is this a placebo or what's, what's going on? So I researched it very carefully. It was Bonnie who reminded me of it a couple of weeks ago when we really started to get a lot of messaging around COVID-19. But the first thing to talk about is why would you want a device that cleaned your phone? And the answer is that you are flicking and swiping and touching that smartphone of yours with its touchscreen many, many times a day. And various organizations have done bacteria tests on smartphones. And the general consensus is that a lot of smartphones actually are more bacteria-filled than your average public toilet. Isn't that charming? So you are using it everywhere, and generally the stuff just sort of stays on the phone. Enter phone soap. The idea of phone soap is that it uses UVC light, which is the same sort of light that is used in hospitals, and it's 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 scientifically proven. I was skeptical. I did all the research, and you can too. You can Google on phone soap and read all the reviews, which the reviews I read anyway have been universally positive, and some people have done tests after using it and have found that a good number of bacteria are gone. The phone soap people claim that 99.9% of bacteria will disappear from your phone. It is insanely easy to use. There are various models and they vary in size. The one I got was the Phone Soap Pro. The other versions of Phone Soap, you put them in the device. So it has a lid and you lift the lid and you put your phone in the device and you shut the lid And unfortunately, it's a bit visual. I wish they would add some sort of sound to this device. But a light comes on to tell you that it's doing its cleaning. With the other devices in the Phone Soap range, it takes 10 minutes. With Phone Soap Pro, which is a little bit larger, it takes five minutes. And that's the one that we got. And it has two of these big, powerful UVC bulbs so that... It cleans all the way into all sorts of crevices on your phone. The idea behind this is that you leave the case on, if you use a case on your phone, if it will fit into the device, because the case is, of course, what you're grasping. So a lot of bacteria gets on the case as well. And five minutes or 10 minutes, depending on the device later. And of course, you've got no way as a blind person to tell when the light has changed. But after five or 10 minutes, you can take it out and you've got a clean phone. And that does appear to be verified by independent testing. Of course, it's still got smudges on it and things like that. So it's not cleaning it in that sense. If if it went in all fingerprinty and smudgy, it will come out all fingerprinty and smudgy just without the bacteria. 
And the cool thing is that you can use this device, the phone soap device, to clean anything that fits in it. So you could put wallets, credit cards, keys, all sorts of devices like that or objects like that into the phone soap machine. It's genius. You can also charge your phone while you're doing this if you want to. And so I've got into the habit since our phone soap arrived of putting it in there when I'm in the shower or the bath or whatever. And then by the time I'm out, it's well and truly finished. And I just take it out and and that's that. It's just a routine. I also put my Apple Watch in there as well. So in these times when we are very aware of the bacteria and things that can accumulate on surfaces, it might be something to investigate. I got it directly from their website and um, it arrived fairly quickly. I think it, it took a wee while to ship and I was getting a bit panicky, but it did ship and then it arrived quite quickly. They're based in the United States and I got it here in New Zealand in quite a timely manner. And um, we liked it. It's really easy to use. One of the things that I found interesting was how do you open this? Not having seen pictures of it, I wasn't clear how it worked. And so I called Ira again and they told me that you had to, uh, there was this big seal on the on the front that in, bo- in, in large friendly letters said, remove before use. See, it's easy when you know how. So then I ripped that seal off there and then the lid popped up and I was able to put my phone in there. So I'm really pleased with it. Phone soap, a good way to keep all sorts of objects clean from the naughty bacteria. Roger Peterson is here too, and he says, Jonathan, I want to thank you for my ability to participate in our recent primary election. Oh, well, you're very welcome. They had new accessible voting machines, and whether it was the machine or the personnel, I wasn't hearing their earphones. Fortunately, on account of your good advice, I was able to whip out my direct wire set. It worked absolutely peachily. Peachily. Thank you very much, Roger. I'm glad to hear it. Yep. That direct audio input for hearing aids is just such a precious thing. iOS 14 is not too far away. And because of the COVID-19 situation, Apple has already announced that WWDC, where iOS is traditionally announced, the next version thereof, that is going to be an online only matter this year. There'll be no adoring, cheering crowds for Tim Cook and his team to play to. It's all going to be online. Tim Cook has done the right thing, and he's cancelled WWDC. We are still going to get iOS 14. It's interesting, there is no date set yet for WWDC, and that does buy Apple a bit of time, because it could be that all sorts of factors could delay what they have to announce. Apple never officially announced an end-of-March event either, but it was widely expected there was going to be a 31st of March event announcing some new hardware. So it could be that because of production line delays in China, that maybe some of that new hardware will be left for WWDC and the keynote presentation. So we'll have to see there as well. Some of the Apple rumor sites, the Apple blogging sites, have apparently received a massive leak of iOS 14. It's important to note, before I start dishing on this, that the build that they have access to is from December. Having been involved in software development, I know that a lot can go into software and then they take it out because it's just causing too much instability or they don't have time to finish the feature. However, what we see is really interesting. 
The one that excites me greatly is the suggestion that there's a TTS API. In other words, an application programming interface for text-to-speech engines. Some of the mainstream media sites are completely misunderstanding this, and they're talking about Siri and that sort of thing. I don't believe that's what it's about. To give you an example, if you have the Voice Dream Reader app on your phone right now, which is one of my favorite iOS apps, you can go to the Voice Dream Reader store and you can buy a lot of really cool voices for that app. They've got a wide range from different developers. But when you install those voices on iOS, they are not available to any other app because of Apple's sort of walled garden approach. If you wanted to buy the same voices if they were available for another self-voicing app, you'd have to buy them a second time, which is ridiculous in an economic sense, but it's also quite wasteful in the sense that you would have two or more copies of that voice on your phone. Not very efficient. If they introduce, and this is something, you know, I used to write my blog post every year called my top 10 wish list for iOS insert number here. And I went on and on and on about this for years. If they do come out with a text-to-speech API, what it means is that you could install a voice and it will be available to all apps that use the API, including VoiceOver. And you know what that means? You know what that means? It means that it could be possible soon for Code Factory, to, who seem to have the rights to it, to release a version of Eloquence for iOS in the same way that they have released a version of Eloquence for Android. This is a feature, the ability to use different text-to-speech engines across the OS, where Android has kicked iOS's butt for a long, long time. And so if Apple does do this, it will be a very exciting development for those of us who use VoiceOver. I really hope that that will come to pass. Also, they seem to have a build of watchOS 7, and in watchOS 7 for the Apple Watch, that is rumored to have the sleep tracking feature, which was touted for last year by some rumor sites. So it's obviously something that Apple's been working on for a while. And one of the things they've had to contend with is the whole battery life issue with Apple Watches. And maybe that's what's been slowing them down in the context of sleep tracking. But it would be good to have fully accessible sleep tracking that's built into the health app. But sometimes what happens in these situations is that Apple lets third-party developers play with different user interfaces and ways of approaching a thing, and then they come and eat their lunch. So it is a bit unfortunate in that regard because there are a few pretty good watchOS sleep tracking apps that will probably have their revenue dry up as a result of that. Also, going back to iOS 14, there is supposedly an OCR feature to convert handwritten text that people write with Apple Pencil to text. So that will be most welcome by blind people if the OCR is accurate enough. Apple is apparently also developing a fitness app, and that lets you download guided workout videos. Based on what these rumor sites have seen of the fitness app at the moment, it looks like the workout videos are free, but that could just be because an early build isn't putting the um, framework in for purchasing. But that sounds great. And wouldn't it be good if Apple's commitment to accessibility means that all those videos for fitness come with audio description? That would be pretty cool if they put that fitness app out. Now, there's also 
a significant revamp being tested for iMessage, for the Messages app. And this is kind of like the experience that you see in Slack, which is a collaboration messaging app used a lot in business, and also Microsoft Teams, which is a Slack competitor. And it kind of has Twitter-like elements. So you can use the at sign and then mention somebody's name, and then they'll get a special sort of notification. This is particularly good for group chats. So you can mention someone in a group chat, and if you're not following it too closely, then you'll get a special Notification. No guarantee that any of this, of course, will pop into iOS 14, but apparently it's what's in the labs. Also, post-retracting from iOS messages. In other words, if you send a message, you are the worst piece of soup I ever met in my life, and then you think better of it. Maybe you had a bit too much mineral water. Oh, my word. You can retract that message, presumably only if someone hasn't seen it. Code has apparently been discovered in iOS 14, that will listen for sounds. So this is another accessibility feature that is really interesting. So it'll listen for sounds such as door knocks, the doorbell, sirens, and then alert the user in a haptic way. So I guess this could have implications for the phone and the watch. This will be great news for deaf people and and deafblind people. They're also suggesting that there might be code popping up, which indicates that Apple will do an audiogram. And in response to that audiogram, adjust the equalization of AirPods. What that suggests to me is that Apple is just creeping closer and closer to maybe getting into the hearing aid space. If Apple actually does start coming out with an an official hearing aid type device, that will shake the industry up big time. And I can't help thinking that a lot of those very expensive high-grade hearing devices might suddenly just appear a little bit cheaper. There is a new screen that lets you see all your apps in a list. This is another thing that Android has done for a long time. Presumably the default is to sort that list alphabetically, but the user interface shows that there would be other options, including apps that have a badge that you need to attend to, and various other things like that. So rather than having to go around your home screen, I mean, normally you would use Siri to launch an app, but if you just want to see what apps you have in one place, apparently that list is being at least tested for iOS 14. And code indicates there may be a new Apple TV remote, which could suggest that there is a new Apple TV coming. So those are some of the things that apparently are in the works with iOS 14. Now, again, that's really early code. Who knows what they'll leave in and what they'll pull out. But for me, the two big ones are that text-to-speech API, where we will see a wide range of voices installable. You download an app and install the voice, and it will work across the phone. Fantastic. And uh, all that accessibility stuff for people with a range of hearing impairments That is rocking as well. So what would you like to see in iOS 14? If you were Tim Cook, what would you put in to iOS if you could? Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. It's the party dog on the email, but he's got some tips for working from home. Very sound they are too. Number one. Establish a work area that's comfortable, but not too comfortable. You don't want to 
You don't want to fall asleep. Oh, my word. Oh, sorry, Keith. Two, establish a work routine that's similar to your day at your normal job and stick to it. That's right. These are good. Three, stay away from TV and other forms of media. News can be very depressing at the best of times. It will only distract you and make you less productive. Four, if you do find you're having a hard time working, take a break and try and do something else that gives you satisfaction. Oh, uh, clean, organize, cook or exercise. Hey, that rhymes. Then go back to work. Five, most importantly, keep a positive mental attitude. This will all pass and we will be back to our everyday lives. Just remember, despite the distance between us, we are all in this together. That is a fantastic message. Thank you very much, Keith. And as someone who has worked from home a lot, I heartily endorse what you're saying. Petra's back. Hello, Petra. Have you seen or heard anything about the the tile competitor? One of the Apple advisors had heard that rumor also and was looking forward to that app if it comes. I also heard that the new iPhone may have Touch ID as well as Face ID. Not a tangible button, but someplace on the screen. Any thoughts? I've heard this too, Petra. I don't know whether the Touch ID thing is for this coming iPhone, where the big thing will be 5G, or whether we might get the new screen base, the underscreen Touch ID in this forthcoming iPhone. And uh, Apple ain't telling, understandably. Regarding the tile competitor, it keeps coming up in the code. I've heard, the last thing I heard about it was that it will have replaceable batteries and be called Apple Tags, but I don't have any more information. It could possibly be one of the things that was going to be announced at the end of March, in which case we may see it a little later, or possibly they'll hold it off until WWDC if there have been some production problems. Uh, there's also supposed to be the new iPhone 9 or SE2. No one quite knows what it's going to be called. So there, there's a slew, a slew of products waiting in the queue. Here's Roy Nash. Hello, Roy. I enjoyed the discussion of Monopoly in your podcast. One fact, he says, which has always intrigued me, is the widespread adoption of, quote, special rules, unquote, such as the money for landing on free parking rule. They um, apply this rule in the 48 states, which I have visited. I have seen this rule applied at NFB and ACB conventions, etc. What? Do you mean to say that there have been monopoly tournaments at NFB and ACB and I went to all these conferences and I didn't know? Oh, my word. I must have somehow missed that they were... Maybe they were just sort of unofficial get-togethers. Maybe I just wasn't in with the in-crowd, Roy, when these games were taking place. Probably just as well for all the other players, because I would have kicked But <laughs> He says, how does the perversion, oh, my word, of rules spread throughout the nation and the world? Well, I don't know, but I'll give you an example of it, Roy. Mr. Charles Crawford. Not that we're talking about Charles in the context of perversion. We're we're talking about Charlie in the context of monopoly. He says, hi, Jonathan. First, I have to say 
that probably around 1958 or 1959, I became the president of the, quote, future millionaires of the world. And this was the direct effect of my involvement with the Monopoly game. Yeah, I really enjoyed the game, and I won fairly often. Why, he says, why? Two words spell my strategic success. They are free stays. See, this is another example of people not following the rules, right? I always negotiated getting free stays early on in the game. Now, I think when he says free stays, this is immunity from rent, isn't it? And I have seen some games where they offer this rule, uh, which is not, again, in the official rules, immunity from rent. He says, this would give my opponents a little bit of extra money early in the game, but would save me plenty when I landed on their property. Let's face it, how often would I land on their property and get a free stay and they land on mine that had been developed? I especially loved another person picking up the take a walk on the boardwalk card and especially when I had a hotel on it. Well, yes, we all love that, don't we? (laughs) Now, are you going to share your secrets to success? Well, one of the secrets is follow the rules, Charlie. That's not in the rules. You've been playing this, what, since 1958? Not following the rules. (laughs) This is why I'm such a difficult Monopoly player. Um, Because I don't like these variations and I, 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 I refuse to play with them. I'll tell you one, and it's probably the most important one. Whatever you do, do all you can. Beg, steal, borrow, cajole, threaten, bribe, anything you can to get that St. James, New York, and Tennessee set. Because statistics show that because of the go-to-jail cards and things like that, it is the most landed set on the board. Actually, St. Charles states in Virginia are okay too, but they acquire less rent and for the same cost. Uh, to, to develop so the in terms of the cost of houses anyway so the the sweet spot is to try everything you can to get that st james new york tennessee set just by the free parking square right by there get that thing man if you do that you've got a good chance none of this naughty immunity nonsense nonsense <laughs> good on you charlie he also says lastly Uh, I want to, in a serious vein, compliment you on what you said relative to the shootings in New Zealand last March the 15th. And of course, as I put the show together, it's March the 15th here today. We simply have to condemn and energetically speak out against the violence and hate speech that only serve to make our life worse. Even though we have witnessed witnessed what has happened over and over again, When we allow hate speech to steadily gain usage, we very much risk a rise of Third Reich and other atrocities that must be rejected and understood for the failed practice that they are. Jonathan, keep up the excellent service you provide us all. Stay well. And I am going to look into getting that gym kitchen windows version of Monopoly and maybe we will have a go at it sometime. There you go, Charlie. But I don't think he offers the immunity from rent option. So that's good. As for this TTS API, says Andy, personally, I would love eloquence. Andy speak. Oh, my word. That e speak thing is an acquired taste, isn't it? 
Uh, it's not a very good week for us in the Philippines, says Aaron. Cases of COVID-19 are now at 111. And Metro Manila has been on lockdown since 12 a.m. today. Not to mention that the temperature is getting very hot. Wishing you all the best over in the Philippines, Aaron. Hi, Jonathan, says Christopher Wright. Well, hello to you. I'm not sure, he says, where you got the idea that I'm from Australia. I'm actually from Texas. It's not a big deal. I was just surprised to hear you say Australia. Where did that come from, he demands. Oh, my word. All I can say is to myself... Don't be a bozo. What a nit! I mean, you couldn't be more dead than that, could you? I just completely transplanterated you. But to compensate, I am very happy to relocate you or send you on a holiday to Australia because with the airline industry the way it is, it'll probably be like a buck to get you out there. <clears throat> no, just joking, just joking. Just joking. Sorry about that. I get, there are quite a few Christophers who I hear from and I completely confuserated the Christophers. So sorry about that. I will remember. I will braille it on my hand for the future Christopher in Texas. I just have to, I'll just have to read your emails properly now. Yeah. He says, I'm glad to hear you're okay. I'm a box of, as we say over here, a box of fluffy ducks, mate. A box of fluffy ducks. Although my executive assistant called me Scarface the other day and I said, you can't call me Scarface. That's body shaming. That's what it is. (laughs) Anyway, it'll get better. It'll get less pronounced. Um, You're absolutely right when you say we should cherish every minute we have. You never know when your time is up. Yes, Fatalistic, but so true, Christopher. There are times when it irritates me to no end that I'm blind. But then I have to stop and think just how lucky I am. I'm alive. I'm not starving to death, etc. Things could be so much worse than they are. I'll accept total blindness and a stutter as small prices to pay for my ability to continue existing, thinking and being happy for the most part. That's fantastic, Christopher. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why we shouldn't improve the world that we're in, but we can do that and still be grateful for all the blessings in our lives as well. So good for you. I love Monopoly, he says. My first experience was playing Jim Kitchen's version. I had no idea what I was doing until my dad sat down and explained it to me. For some reason, I thought it was really cool to just wander around the board I vastly prefer, vastly prefer playing the game online. There's no need to get out a full Monopoly set, and it saves considerable time having the computer do most of the serious management of cash and tokens, etc. I started by playing the RS Games version, but I find myself playing it more frequently on the Quentin C. Playroom. I have heard of this, but I don't know if I have an account there. I might do. If you haven't checked it out, it's an awesome platform, says Christopher. The website is QCS, uh, QC Salon, I think. Yep, QCSalon.net. I can remember that. And in addition to downloading a program for Windows, there's a full-featured web version that can be played in any modern web browser. The web version even includes full support for sounds and keyboard shortcuts. I also appreciate the fact that Quentin C. 
prints all the text to the screen. Unlike Iris Games, this means anyone can play as long as he or she can read. I play Quentency all the time with my sighted sister and dad, and we always have a great time. Most of the elements in the Windows program can be accessed with the mouse, and the situation on the web is even better for a sighted player, as all the major features in a game can be accessed via on-screen buttons. I know the Monopoly rules may not be 100% accurate, but unlike RS games, you can configure the game to use auctions for unclaimed properties. Quentin C also has many other games, and many of them include additional rules that make the games more interesting. For example, I love the ability to play in teams in 1,000 miles. Even if you know about the platform, it would be good to share it with others who may not know. I've been playing since 2011, and it's brought me many hours of joy. I also appreciate the visual aspects because it makes it easier for sighted people to play games with me. I'd love to play audio games with more people, but the lack of any visuals in most of them makes that very difficult. Who knows, maybe one day I'll find someone else with vision who is willing to try something new. I'm very fortunate, actually, that Heidi sometimes plays Iris games with me, which is very nice of her, but that's really great. It's been a long time since I've been reminded about uh, that site, so I should definitely check it out. Thank you very much, Christopher. In Texas. No, Australia. No, 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 he's in Texas. That's where he is. Hello, Jonathan. My name is Jason. I'm calling from Virginia. Hi, Jason. Uh, if I may, I'd like to bring up the topic of the IRA Horizon kit being uh, shut down. I know you had spoke about it a little bit last week, but I have a bit of a different take, and I'd kind of like to get your opinion on it. I'm a bit concerned, and if if just one particular event would have taken place and that was it, then I probably wouldn't have this concern. But I guess quickly reviewing what happened, uh, starting kind of near the beginning of the year, they decided to shut down the Austria glasses, which I understood and you know made sense for not continuing to support old hardware and focus on the new hardware, which is essentially what what they said at the time. And they offered those customers steep discount on the Horizon kit. Uh, less than a few months later, well, they first announced a new company had purchased IRA, if that's the terminology you want to use. Then also a new CEO had taken over at that point. Uh, just about a week or two after that, they announced they were getting rid of the Horizon kit. And what concerned me is the whole series of events. It seemed to be a lot of cost-cutting uh, going on as opposed to providing the best experience. And I say that because of two things. Number one, the announcement, uh, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it, I guess, because of the fact that, you know, initially people were being offered discounts and then within a couple of weeks they were shutting down the program altogether. And the other thing that concerned me is the CEO posted a message saying, hey, if anybody has any suggestions on where we should go from here, you know, let us know. And I guess part of me thought, well, wait a minute, isn't that kind of your job as a CEO to kind of figure these things out and also maybe figure it out before you remove this piece of hardware that 
is important to some people, yes, maybe problematic, but, you know, it's probably used by a lot of people, and you're giving them not even 30 days' notice saying, hey, this is going away. So my my concern was that this seemed to be like a lot of cost-cutting measures being done by a new CEO and a new uh, owner of the company, and I'm just really worried that we're going to start seeing things, you know, other reduction of service like, you know, reducing of hours. Well, we notice that people are not really using the service a lot between, you know, 2 a.m. and 5 a.m., so we're going to go back to not doing 24-hour service or that kind of thing. And, and then they also held a Explorer call, which, you know, they when they do that, they allow questions to be asked and that sort of thing, and this seemed to be kind of quickly thrown together, and they didn't allow any questions to be posted, which to me was a little odd considering that, okay, if there was a time constraint, then go ahead and postpone this, you know, till when you have the time, but to just say, well, we don't have any time for questions at this time, just in my opinion, came off as a little uh, suspicious. Um, But again, like I said, I may be overreacting to a series of events. I'd be curious for your input on this, especially being a CEO yourself, if, if I'm missing something or uh, not really thinking about the whole picture. I appreciate your time and sorry for rambling on. Thank you. No, thank you, Jason. Uh, you make some valid points. I think communications around these difficult decisions is really important. I'm a little out of the IRA loop. I still use IRA, but I'm not involved in the kind of minutiae or in touch with anybody there really. But it does seem strange that if they did have an Explorer call where this came up, I think the transparent thing to do is to allow questions to have done prep ahead of time to anticipate what those questions might be and to answer them as honestly as possible. I think you make a fair point that this is probably about cost as well. I mean, clearly, you've got to provide a good user experience. And there are repeated cases where Horizon has not been a particularly good user experience. But to give you some context that you may not be aware of possibly – so Troy Attilio is the new chief executive of IRA, and Troy is not a newbie to the company. Troy has been the chief financial officer of IRA for quite some time, at least maybe a couple of years and, and possibly longer. So he has a really strong handle on the company, business models that have been tried, business models that have not, and business models that have worked and have not. And he has a very good head For all of the numbers, I literally don't know whether your speculation about further curtailment of service is likely, but he is not somebody just coming into this cold. He has a lot of knowledge of this community and also the way that IRA works. I do think so often in situations like this that communication is key. If you're up front with people and you take people with you and you allow people to ask questions and you answer honestly and transparently, people at least respect you for that, even if you're not, if, if they don't agree with the decision. So we'll have to see where it goes. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. Here we are with another exciting installment of the Bonnie Bulletin. Welcome to you. Hello. How is it going? I'm tired. Oh, dear. That's no good at all. <laughs> You've been doing good works. I have been flat out for two weeks now, living on... Now, basically... that is a New Zealand expression, isn't yes, it? Uh-huh. Flat out. Yeah. Yes. Living on basically caffeine and adrenaline. 
Mm. Flat out. Good on you. Flat out doing the red puppy, puppy appeal. appeal. So what's it like being a blind person? I mean, doesn't it feel a bit sort of begging-like going out there? It does. A blind a- person with a bucket saying, does- give money for the dogs. It does feel weird, but because it's so common here in New Zealand, I mean, street appeals are very common for every charity. Yesterday when our or Friday when our guys were out collecting, they had hospice, they had the greyhounds. The greyhounds? Yeah, dogs. Are they raising money? To, for rescued greyhounds, to adopt oh, greyhounds. Yeah. I see. Hmm. So um, they were down at the train station. Because but- I used to have this coordination thing when I was chairman of the agency. I don't know whether they still have this, where they try to avoid any clashes. And so they have this register and everybody's entitled to their little slot, you see. Uh, but maybe that whole system's broken down in this, if I may use the expression, dog-eat-dog world. <laughs> Yeah, well, there have been some patch wars because someone was telling me that patch last wars. year they conflicted with the SPCA and they had cute, cuddly puppies. So everyone oh, wow. wanted to visit. Everybody the cute- wants cute, cuddly, cuddly puppies. Oh, yeah. Eclipse oh. and I, I mean, we, we were hustling. We were hustlers. When you get out there with a dog, you make the money. You get the dollar dollar. Well, a lot of people don't carry cash anymore. So no. That's so do they allow for that in some way? Because in New Zealand, I don't know whether like the U.S. is quite as cashless as we are. Do you think that's true? I mean, New Zealand. It's hard to know because I've been away for six yeah, years. Yeah, I don't know. So We're very cashless yeah. here. I mean, people pay in cabs with FPOS, mm-hmm. which I don't think the U.S. uses the term FPOS. No, they're just. But it stands cards. for electronic fund transfer at yeah. point of sale, mm. and it's mobile and everything. So lots of people carry these little FPOS machines, <laughs> and if you want to pay, you just you know give do your card thing and. And, some, yeah. some charities apparently, because someone was telling me that when they were raising for, I think, breast cancer or one of the, a lot of my volunteers are do street appeal all the time for all these different all these different organizations, and they were talking about one they had that they had these mobile they called them a zip zap car a zip, zip zap, zap a zip yeah. zap reader, but the problem is the bank which appears to be should I say the bank that does this should I shame and blame no I don't shame? think so okay. no. so a a large financial institution uh, really gigs you when you use the the zip zap machine so a lot of the times it's up to the organization whether they want to incur that because I know that they had sent out some text cards where you could text a certain number yeah. and donate and a lot of organizations aren't using that anymore because they weren't making enough to pay it off so yeah i mean i guess the dilemma is sometimes it's better to let the organization you know the institution that's charging you be it a telco or a bank take their two or three percent or whatever it is mm-hmm. two or three percent of something is better than no donation at all right yeah. and that's what i was telling some people they said this is all i have i said it doesn't matter you know it's it's what you give, and 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 it's interesting because somebody was telling me they we used were, to say give till it hurts. Give till That's it what hurts. we used to it say. Counts, yeah, give till but it hurts. But some people said it was really surprising the people that gave money that didn't look like they had money, and they'd pull out a twenty, you know, and dump it in the bucket or a fifty. Yeah, that's really nice of it people, is, isn't it? It is people that's where true. you. I met a lot. Of course, today it's it's hilarious because I'm such a hustler. Um, <laughs> I was down on down on Lambton Key twice today, which is our kind of main golden mile through town. Well, 
the very last of the cruise ships have sailed into... Yeah, we're not going to have them anymore. No, and Bonnie is down there with her hand out saying, give me all you got, mm. basically. Um, but they were, we had the Americans, we had the Brits, and we had the Chinese. And, and I was, we were taking every currency. For me, of course, there is... I, I, while I appreciate the incredible generosity of people, there, there was always, for me, when I had to think about these things more, the philosophical question of why people like you have to so generously give of their time and efforts to go out hustling to raise money for a really important mobility aid. And you would think that government should be funding that fully. I and I know the foundation's current CEO feels exactly the same way as I do about this, that you shouldn't be dependent on charitable donations for those essential services. But it's interesting in the United States, which it's ironic because people think of the United States generally as, you know, hands-off, private industry, mm -hmm. but they have one of the best set up government-run blindness rehabilitation oh, systems in the world, I and yet guide dogs aren't a part of it. Mm -hmm. No, and I do, not think, I do not think guide dogs should ever be a part of it. But why is that? Because, because what, if, if guide dogs are just another mobility tool, mm -hmm. you know, why shouldn't they come under the state rehab system, because, the VOC rehab system? Because there are um, – and every state, every state gets federal and state funding. Some states are better than other. Missouri actually just got voted one of the top blindness agencies in the country. Well, Missouri yes. loves company. Yeah. Huh? But I think it's because there are targets you have to meet. There are certain government regulations, and I don't want it in a guide dog school. I think it should always be a private charity. The Seeing Eye started out that way. The Seeing Eye blindness organizations and at the time were very against the Seeing Eye. They thought it was – it was terrible because they were giving blind people independence. They did not like the seeing eye. It's a very interesting to read that part of the history in Peter Putnam's book. Because Yeah, and, yeah. and I get that. And I also get that it was great that the seeing eye actually had the dress code and all that sort of thing mm -hmm. because it gave blind people a sense of dignity. And it's yeah. the same argument for uh, the way that um, Kenneth Jernigan had that policy in place for a long time, calling people, you know, with, with the honorifics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and I get all that. But... Does it not seem uh, unfair that we are dependent on the goodwill of the public for a, a fundamentally, you know, essential mobility tool? Well, I think if it were a cane or something like that, but you're talking about a dog. Dogs um, will always raise money. Dogs and children. Hmm. I mean, and watermelon wine. And watermelon yeah, wine. Yeah. Have you got anything else to talk about? That's pretty much been my life. Ah, oh, well, any thoughts on the COVID-19, that famous Dexie's Midnight Runners mm. song? COVID-19. I'm surprised that Bill, Bob Rivers hasn't. I think, honestly, and I know it's a hard call, but I think they should have kicked the cruise ships out weeks ago because there's been several in the harbor lately. It is a hard call because yeah. we obviously have our health to consider. And to her credit, yeah, that's obviously the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But the economic consequences. New Zealand is effectively closed for business as a tourist destination yeah. now. That's what it effectively mm -hmm. means. And so that's a very big call to make for a country like ours. But, well, they've done the right thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It is – I was talking to someone today that works in um, sort of a tradey import-export kind of industry. Mm. We do get a lot of stuff from overseas, and it, they said even though cargo ships and cargo planes are coming in, 
they will stop, you know, it could effectively slow down trade. It may, there may cause shortages here. Well, yes, I mean, particularly, it lasts. particularly if you get situations medicine, where medicine those, is the big one because we get a lot of medicine from overseas. Yeah, and, and if those if those countries hardest. are uh, required to self isolate and production slows down, that's where the problems start. Yeah, of they course. said particularly yeah. pharmaceuticals because yeah. we. If if it gets loose here, and we're lucky that we don't have physical borders like many countries, but it could be it will really be a strain on our healthcare system. Oh yeah, so yeah. it's, it's so, just, and, and that and that's precisely why this containment strategy is so important. I think mm-hmm. yeah, so, so. Everybody coming in from the U.S. right now and Australia and uh, other countries. They have to self-isolate for 14 days. And was- basically what that means is that unless you are here for a long-term visit, you're going to cancel, aren't you? I mean, you're not yeah. going to come over here on holiday only Let's to be go, stuck. Yeah, that, now they know how the guide dogs feel. Stuck in they- self- yeah. <laughs> so we are, we are closing down until, you know, for, for the Further next few, little while um, yeah. for, for, for tourism, essentially. Yeah, the, the cruise ships are not allowed back until June, I believe. It will be reviewed by thirtieth of June. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's 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 interesting. I mean, you, the, I'm still trying to get my head around toilet paper. I, I just, Isn't I that don't bizarre? Get it. And it's everywhere. Like it's, it's not it's, just here. No. I, apparently in Australia, there's a massive toilet. But I tell you something interesting. I was listening to the coverage in the United States this week. And I notice that they refer to it as toilet paper. And yet, if you ask an American when you're in America, where's the toilet? And they go, <clears throat> like you've just said, soup or something. So what I want to know is if they, if, if the word toilet is somehow like inappropriate, bathroom which it seems to be in America, why isn't it bathroom paper? Because you sit on the toilet. Yeah, wow. And then you use So what, what, that's really, I, I, I've never I have got my to head laugh around because you have to find some humor in paper. this because they said, you know, the corvert. Coronavirus causes yeah, a really COVID. Covert, not covert. Covert sounds like <laughs> some a, people might think it's covert. Covert nineteen. Yeah, it sounds like some sort of Tom Clancy novel. Um, but anyway, that or James Rollins more likely. But it causes your nose to run, not your bum. And someone said they're more worried about shaking hands with people that have run out of toilet paper than people that may have dead the the COVID one. Yeah, it's true. But we saw it today at Countdown. People were rolling out of there with cartfuls of toilet paper. Like, what is going on? I said, you know, maybe the blind have you, ever, have you ever asked somebody? I mean, I'd like to ask somebody who's doing this, why? Why are they doing it? I mean, wh- why... Why people would, fear running out of certain things like toilet paper? It's, but it's, why? I mean, you just I mean, need to go back. I mean, Sears needs to, you know, repurpose the Sears robot cataloger. You know, if people have phone books, just keep them around. I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> that's what they do in some parts of Kentucky. You know, yeah. at the outhouse. But it's it's really strange. And well, uh, if I ever if we get to the point where we have a breakout here. And I have to self-isolate. I actually don't think I'll find that a problem because effectively I self-isolated for years uh, in <laughs> my in my work. Yeah, that's you know, true. So I won't find it difficult Did at all. Did you run out of toilet paper in those years? No, because I had the online shopping. Yeah, you just ordered. Well, the problem is there's no toilet paper. That's the thing. Yes, but there's no toilet paper because people have been a bit yeah. – and it was interesting how often Jacinda said in her latest policy announcements where we've basically shut ourselves 
we've locked ourselves down. She said it about three times. There is no need for a run on the supermarket. Don't buy the toilet paper. Well, you know, I think it may have helped the Blind Foundation fundraise because most of my sites were supermarkets and we were raking in the dough. So perhaps the run on panic buying really did raise raise money for the Blind Foundation, for Red Puppy Appeal. But another thing is I was talking to someone in Countdown – last week when I was in there and, and asking them about what they were out of. And he said that they were out of a lot of stuff, but the things they still had a lot of were gluten-free items. So I'm thinking, but they'd sold out of chips and hand- I, I suppose that people think, look, if we're going to have to shut ourselves die, in for 14 days, you may as well, you deserve a treat. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's, so I, I'm get, thinking- I, I get the logic of that. If we all just remain calm and with a positive spirit and sensible and and kind, and wash your hands, we will get through. Uh, yes, yes, and and don't make fun of the coronavirus because apparently, if you make fun of it, you get it. Because wasn't that just karmic <laughs> that that you're talking about? Was it an NBA? It's player? an it's a guy with a Utah Jazz, and he was laughing and he was about touching the, people's touching mics the and, microphones, and guess oh, what he got? Yeah. So don't make fun of the coronavirus, whatever you do, because it will get you. Never be rude to a coronavirus. Never be rude. Yeah. Now we're making fun of it. We shouldn't be doing this. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No, we're just well, thank giving you. Thank some you very much, and I advice on how to stay safe. But yeah, don't. I mean, you you ha- I, I guess you have to be aware. But don't panic. Just be smart. Just use common sense. I mean, mm. that's just the 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 thing here is to remain calm and use common sense. And the things that your mother told you as a kid, you know, you wash your hands, you stay away from people that are sick, and you know that's 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 it. At large podcast. Hey, Jonathan, it's Mike Fair. Yeah, this thing is really uh, ramping up, and uh, here in Canada, of course, our prime minister is uh, in self-isolation. His wife has tested positive uh, for the COVID-19 virus. So, yeah, it's it's been one heck of a week. Uh, lots changed in even since Wednesday. So, yeah, lots going on here. But I, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, Canada is, if, if you're going to be anywhere in, a, in a, a situation like this, I'm feeling very good about our measures and uh, our health system. And the fact that politicians actually listen to the medical advice and it doesn't get sort of overly politicized and that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm very happy to be where I am. iOS. A couple of things I – well, one thing I've always wanted in iOS is a tutorial for voiceover for beginners. I think that's a real – shortcoming that there isn't something like that. Uh, There really ought to be. The other thing I'd like to see is a game of some sort. Uh, A lot of these operating systems, you know, they'd come with something simple, uh, chess or something like that, some version of maybe Colossal Cave, like one of the the more simple interactive fiction games. Something just to get people typing, used to operating their devices in a fun way. I think those two additions would help a lot. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Mike. And we are in agreement. We are in agreement on most of these things. Uh, the tutorial that's built into the Mac, or at least it was when I was using VoiceOver, was brilliant. And it just got people started. And of course, TalkBack has a pretty good tutorial as well when you run it. I think from memory, it's been a while since I set a Samsung, Samsung Galaxy up from scratch, but I think it has a tutorial too for its voice assistant. So it is curious that Apple hasn't done that. Holger would like to be able to share emails via text. He says, I think now 
If you get an email, you can't forward it via text. Sometimes people don't check email as fast as they text. Now, Aaron is also chiming in on the subject of COVID-19. And he says, in the company where I work, we have difficulty implementing work at home because of many factors. Not all call center agents have their own laptops, or if they do, the client software doesn't allow them because of account security. Not all have stable internet connections. Yeah, that's a, a real concern in an environment like the Philippines. So thank you for sharing that, Aaron. It's um, certainly difficult where infrastructure may not be as well established as in other parts. Going back now to the subject of iOS 14, Brian has a simple but important request. All he wants is his phone to vibrate when the jolly old thing boots up. And I agree, this has also been on successive wish lists that I've published in the past regarding iOS. I think it's such a deep level thing that it may even go deeper than the operating system because when the phone powers on, the operating system isn't running yet because it hasn't booted up. So it may be something that they would need to do with it, with newer phones. But I don't understand it either, Brian. I think it's a woeful neglection. Is that a word? I, th- I think it's woefully neglectful of Apple to not do that because I know a lot of people have trouble knowing how long to hold the button down for. Carolyn Pete on iOS 14 says... Hi, Jonathan. I would love the ability to name my photos individually on the phone. Then when they are uploaded to the cloud or Dropbox, they already have the name you've given them. At the moment, I have to upload to Dropbox, then name them with sighted assistance because I have to remember what each one is. This is where Ira is actually also very good, Carolyn, which is, of course is now free for calls of less than five minutes because you can have them team viewer into your computer and name the photos but that would be nice some people do have a workaround and they use the graphics labeling feature to name their photos but of course you're quite right that does not transfer to another operating system the csun conference has concluded people are going home some of them to imposed self-isolation, of course. But looking at some of the technology that came out of it, there do appear to be a few highlights. One is that the Orbit Research people are back. They've had a bit of a rocky start. They came out with their Orbit 20. There was quite a delay. And finally it was released. And there have been some quality control issues. Some people have lost confidence in the product. I think some of the people distributing it had lost confidence in the product. But hopefully some of those quality control issues are resolved now. And I'm particularly interested that with one of their new products, the 40-cell Braille display, they have one thing that I think was a bit of a deal-breaker for some really serious Braille users, and that is that they've got cursor routing keys now. So that is exciting. They have to pay to use those because it's patented technology and all braille display manufacturers know about that so they've obviously done that and they have uh, applications in there such as a clock and a calendar and a calculator they've made some other changes as well and that's coming in at a little over 1300 us dollars so that's the orbit reader 40 they also have a 20 plus with similar features 
and there may well be an upgrade path from the 20 to the 20 plus. So for me, anything that gets Braille in the hands of more people, because it's, a, it's, it's, it's such a priceless gift, it's literacy, it's empowerment, it's a greater likelihood of employability. Hooray! We give it a round of applause. Yes, we do. So I do wish them the best. I hope that the quality is good, that maybe some of the initial teething problems are sorted out. I'd also be very keen to know if anybody saw in Orbit's 40 what the noise is like, because I could not work with an Orbit Braille display in the studio here. It would just be too noisy with the way that the cells pop up. And it might just be that people who have needs like mine will continue to use other Braille displays that are more expensive and perhaps use different sorts of technology to to get there. And there will be many people for whom the noise is not a problem, but the price tag of other Braille displays is a problem. So that seems like a very positive thing. The Orbit Research people have also relaunched their graffiti uh, Braille display for working with graphics, and they have a, a little keyboard, a little Braille keyboard that you, this is not the first device like it. I think human he, humanware may have had one at one point, where you pair this little Bluetooth Perkins-style keyboard to your phone. It will also work with a computer, and you can Braille away into your phone. This is something I wouldn't personally use because I've got Braille screen inputs down pat on my phone and I rock it along with browse screen input incredibly rapidly. But for some, it will be very welcome. And maybe there are some benefits in terms of all the keyboard commands that you can do with a genuine Braille keyboard connected as well. So that one comes in at just under $100, the Bluetooth keyboard. Also, APH had their new Braille display that's got a full-size QWERTY keyboard and a 40-cell display. So some good things happening in Braille. And it's so funny when you look back at people who said some years ago, now Braille's on the way out because technology's superseding it. Nonsense! Nonsense! I'm very pleased to say Braille is more vibrant and alive than ever, and that's fantastic. Also, I think it's fair to say... Another blindness-related product that created quite a bit of chatter is the new Envision glasses. These are still in prototype. Now, Envision AI is a competitor to Seeing AI. You have to pay for it. And it does similar things. And there will be debate about whether it does it, some of them better or some of them not as well or whatever as um, Seeing AI. But Envision AI are putting these glasses together And my understanding, based on what I've been able to read, is that those glasses are self-contained. That's very interesting. So all the features of the app are actually built in to standalone glasses. So that's very cool. And we'll wait and see where that goes. I see they are taking pre-orders for that. Also, the Orcam people, they have a new piece of technology, a MyRead device, which does everything locally. So... You don't have to send any data to the cloud and it's quick and it's supposed to read all sorts of things. So that's another new product from Orcam. I see some people were also talking about the WeWalk smart cane that was there and people were uh, having a play with that, some of them quite enthusiastically. And so uh, some interesting products uh, coming through and we'll wait to get some reviews of some of them. I would like, says Terry McElroy, Apple to fix the bug where voiceover doesn't play through a Bluetooth speaker if you have it connected. 
GPS speech or music comes through the speaker, but not voiceover. And this is very frustrating when out and about relying on GPS or a transit program for bus information. If Apple did this deliberately, they could at least have included an option for a user to turn this on or off by choice. Yes, it is deliberate. It's to make Bluetooth act more like AirPlay. If playing music, for example, someone could then choose whether to have voiceover come through the same speaker or not, would love it if there was a fix for this. Thank you very much, Terry. Fair call. That's what I say. Fair call. And uh, just a quick email from Carolyn Peets. With the world taking action regarding the virus, it is really bad that the International Olympic Committee is silent on the case of the Olympic Games this year. I believe they should urgently make a decision to postpone it until 2021. That way, we won't lose the great event and it will give the world at least a year to get through this virus issue. Yeah, they've lit the Olympic flame behind closed doors in Greece. And unfortunately, I think you're right. I think it's very unlikely that those Olympic Games will go ahead because who's going to turn up at the moment? Who's going to turn up? Thanks for listening to this episode of Mosin at Large. I do hope this has given you some comfort and entertainment and information if you are stuck at home when you would rather not be. Jonathan at mushroomfm.com is my email address and the listener line is 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large,